Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, fellow citizens, and even illegal immigrants and non-citizens who are watching today's podcast. Welcome to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm the president of the We The People Convention. Uh, this podcast and everything we do, including our website, our emails, our text messages, our phone app, the donations we make to other conservative organizations, uh, the events we put on around uh, the state and the country uh, are paid for by the generous donors to the Weedy People Convention. If you are one of them, we thank you very much for your support in these difficult financial times. We appreciate uh, very much your feelings that we are what we are doing here is is important enough for you to support with your hard-earned dollars. So thank you to our donors. For those of you who are longtime listeners, uh, thank you for coming back week after week and for sharing this and uh, this podcast and our, you know, our emails and our text messages and our, uh, you know, our website. Uh, thank you to you uh, for bringing new people. And if you're new to the podcast today, um, welcome. Uh, I think you'll find news and opinions you will not get anywhere else. I'm pretty confident of that. We have strong opinions, but we're not just about talk. Uh, yes, you know, we will talk for quite a while here today, but what we're trying to do is be a news aggregation service for you. We're trying to look at all that's going on in the world around you and kind of filter through the propaganda, find as much truth as we can find, and then bring to you only the stories that we think affect your and my individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity right? So that's what this is really about, protecting and defending our individual freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity, which is what makes America great, which is what our, what was so revolutionary about our Constitution. We are under threat by totalitarian communism, you know, globalist tyranny, okay, which says the individual doesn't matter, you're just a cog in the wheel of the state. And, and so, you know, we're about group identity, not individualism. We're about picking winners and losers. We're about equality of outcome, not equal opportunity, right? That's, that's where the battle lines are drawn. We're on the side of individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity because that is the miracle that has raised the standard of living and the enjoyment of life of billions of people in this world to levels never seen in the history of man. The totalitarian left wants to crush that and take us back. Even though they call ourselves progressives, they're regressive. They want to you know, rule by elites and they want to make us all equal. You know what that means? Go look at Soviet Russia. It makes you all equally poor. Go look at Cuba. Go look at Venezuela. They say they want to make you equal. That's what that means. Okay. So that's what we're fighting. So in this podcast, we will talk to you about things that we think affect you. Okay. That you should know about and you should tell others about. And then we will ask you to do things in defense of your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity and that of your fellow citizens and quite frankly of the world. And um, because it's real simple. If you won't fight for yourself, 
then why would anybody else fight for you? Okay? That's where it comes down to. If you're not willing to stand and fight for your own freedom, liberty, and prosperity, then why should anybody else fight for your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity? So that's what we're going to begin with you know, today. Uh, you see in, in the background that you know my flag is flying upside down. That is not a mistake. That is not out of disrespect. The flag should never be displayed with the union down except as a signal of dire distress to uh, in instances of uh, extreme danger to life or property. And folks, if we, we aren't in extreme danger to life and property today, I don't know when we ever have been. And this podcast will point out specific instances where our life and our property and our well-being are being attacked and uh, and we must defend. And so that's why we fly our flag upside down. We ask you to do the same. Before we get to the uh, January 6th prisoners, which for those of you who watch all the time uh, and those of you who are new, you know, we always open with a prayer for the political prisoners in, uh, in the gulags of D.C. and elsewhere uh, who are being persecuted, not prosecuted by this government, not our government, uh, illegally and immorally and unconstitutionally for um, standing up for our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity on January 6th. Uh, I want to address a couple things. What you won't see here today is you won't see the uh, Pelosi, uh, you know, police video of whatever was going on in Nancy Pelosi's house with her husband and, and whoever this person was that was there with him, right? That's not news that affects you, in my opinion. We won't show that. Uh, we're not going to show you video of the Antifa BLM riots uh, that are being, you know, executed as planned, you know, revolutionary activities across our country, probably as, you know, I speak, as you're watching this video. Today is Saturday, uh, January 28th, and after the police released the video uh, last night at 7 o'clock, which I thought was pretty strange that you would release this video of this young black man being beaten to death by five black police officers uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, why you would release that at seven o'clock on a Friday night, I don't know, except that by doing so, you would increase the chances of civil unrest. And maybe that's the reason they did it. I don't know. It seems awfully stupid to me. So, you know, release it at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Anyway, we, re we reported on a video released in the beating deaths of Tyree Nichols, and the video was not good. The police officers involved, who were all black, were fired and charged with second-degree murder in his death. So one would think that justice was being pursued and that this had nothing to do with race. And it didn't. The, the, the victim was black. The five policemen were black. The police chief is black. The mayor is black. The city is 65% black. Okay. It's horrible, and our hearts go out to the family of, of Tyree Nichols, who should not have been beat to death, okay? We'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Nichols' family report called for peace, not reportedly. I saw them with their own lips say, don't riot, saying they didn't want any disturbances and were satisfied with how the case was being was proceeding so far. It, it's, it's right. They did something terrible. The video shows that. The police fired them immediately, charged them. That's how it works, right? 
But some in New York weren't listening. And D.C. and Seattle and Portland and all Chicago and all the other lefty areas. There was, uh, there was a march with folks carrying the signs of the Party of Socialism and Liberation, don't you know? People from the unaffiliated BLM group in New York and their leader, Hawk Newsom, were also marching. If you wonder who is marching in most leftist protests, uh, the people for the socialism and liberation uh, are, are almost always a big factor. You see their recycled signs everywhere. Um, but basically, these are just communists. This is what this is. And so when that, you know, when Joe Biden and those guys want to say that Georgia, you know, uh, election laws are Jim Crow 2.0, when, you know, guess what? The, there was a poll just done that the number of uh, blacks who reported any difficulty in voting in Georgia was 0%. Okay, so that's their lie, Jim Crow 2.0. But Antifa is KKK 2.0. Antifa is, you know, just like the white, you know, hooded Klansmen who, you know, beat blacks, hung blacks, kept them from voting, you know, kept them down, uh, you know, from the Democratic Party after the Civil War. Antifa is KKK 2.0. That's what they are. They are the enforcement arm of the white racist Democrat Communist Party. They're now commies, okay? And, you know, I just read to you, and you can see, I saw on video in Memphis, you know, there were signs put out there by, you know, the, the what's it called? The, uh, the you know, people for a party of socialism and liberation, right? These are communists. And they're using these things to destroy our country. And until we, as a nation, enforce the law equally, particularly against people who are communists, Okay, we're going to have this this stupid reaction to things that are horrible. Okay, and so, you know, they want to defund the police. Oh, yeah, that'll end the chaos. You know what happens where they defunded the police? Crime against blacks rose 50 percent. That thing that's good for society or you think that's good if you want to destroy society. That's the point. Don't buy it, right? Don't buy into this. Your question is, where is the DOJ? Where is the FBI? Where are the people who are behind this, funding this? Why aren't they being arrested? Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast when we talk about the Antifa people in Georgia. So we're going to get on now with our normal podcast, and we usually begin with the January 6th political prisoners. I did talk to Jake Lang on Tuesday. Uh, he's now in a New York prison, moved from a Pennsylvania prison, but he has a telephone now, so I was able to speak with him. And uh, we did talk about you know trying to get him and other prisoners to uh, testify in front of Congress about the treatment they've been subject to uh, since they were arrested. Again, we're not trying to litigate their guilt or innocence uh, January 6th in front of Congress. You can't do that. They've been charged as a plat in court. We can't interfere with that. Okay. And again, we're not saying that no one on January 6th did anything wrong. So, you know, you lefties who watch this show to try to criticize me and us, you know, let me make that clear. There are people who struck police, 
who acted wrong, who broke, you know, windows, who damaged property, they should be charged and they should be, if found, you know, guilty, they should be punished, but not unnecessarily punished. And we're going to talk about that because some, a horrific example of that, you know, was, was on display this week. Okay. But for the people who didn't do those things, who are being persecuted and prosecuted and held for two years, in, in the gulags of D.C., that's the outrage. And that's why we say our prayer every week. Because until we get them free and we get justice uh, brought against those who've done this, we are not a nation at all. Without equal justice under the law, we are not a nation at all. We're a third world banana republic with, you know, with tyrants running it. Okay? So join me in a short prayer uh, for the political prisoners that God will help them sustain this ordeal and and keep their sanity and 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 you know get through this and that their families can survive and that they won't lose their families because of this and that their lawyers will be given the wisdom to find ways to help them and to and to get them you know actual justice join me in, in a prayer All right. Thank you for doing that. Um, we are, you know, we have, as I said, we are trying to get uh, the prisoners to uh, have, you know, a fair trial. We're trying to get them in front of Congress to bring uh, people, uh, you know, to the American people, this story that has been intentionally hidden from them. And we think that if the American people can see their stories, it won't be covered by the mainstream leftist deep state media. It'll have to be on C-SPAN, right? And on, you know, rumble channels. But to get their stories out, we think will move the American people and help get them to join us in demanding justice. And, and, and after you hear this next story, uh, and share it, you'll understand what I mean. This uh, story is on our website. If you still believe January 6th prisoners are being treated fairly, read this. And on that uh, page, there's a new video as well uh, that uh, Jake Lang sent to us that I won't play for you because I, I want to read uh, this story to you because I think it's such an important story. But this is the kind of thing you need to share with anyone who doesn't understand what's going on with the January 6th prisoners, okay? So if you if you can, stay with me on this. This is for anyone who is naive enough to believe the lie that the January 6th political prisoners are being treated fairly or even equal to political protesters on the left. All Americans should be outraged and demanding this abuse of power be stopped. If you want evidence, this is by Daniel Horowitz in The Blaze from January 26th. If you want evidence that January 6th defendants are being punished based on their beliefs, not on what they actually did, nothing demonstrates the hypocrisy of the D.C. District Court more than the exhibit displayed in the lobby heading toward the court's own cafeteria. Richard Barnett, the Arkansas man uh, who famously pictured with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, and here's the picture, you know, for the uh, link in our website, right? There he is right there, Okay. Uh, on that fateful day, was convicted on Monday of four felonies and four misdemeanors by a jury that took a jury in D.C. that took only one hour to deliberate. 
one hour. The felony charges were not for touching Pelosi's desk, but for vague actions like obstructing an official proceeding uh, and obstructing law enforcement during a civil disorder. Barnett was never even charged with committing a single act of violence, a point ceded by the Justice Department long ago. He also couldn't have obstructed the official proceedings because he didn't enter the Capitol until after the proceedings were over. But the jury found him guilty of that, right? Yet he now faces up to 20 years in prison pending his sentencing in May. One of the major felonies is the 231A3 charge of obstructing an officer during a civil disorder. As I noted earlier this month, this statute at face value is unconstitutional because it ropes in protected assembly, speech, and protesting. Anyone caught tagging, talking to a cop during the course of a protest where someone might be charged for a crime could be on the hook for a 231A3, as was the case with Barnett. For years, in order to justify the constitutionality of this statute, federal courts have only applied it to individuals who were committing acts of violence. In 1976, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in the United States versus Casper established a sensible standard to find the scope of the crime as the defendant attempted to commit an act for the intended purpose of obstructing, impeding, or interfering by himself or with someone else in a violent manner with such law enforcement officers or offices. Okay? So that's what the law says, and that's how they said. You had to do something violent. Barnett never did anything violent, okay? But that's not the hypocrisy. That's not all the hypocrisy. Here's where we go. Nobody has ever been charged with this felony without committing a violent act himself. Even the worst BLM Antifa riots with widespread beatings, looting, arson, and assault on cops. This argument was made by Barnett's attorney, Joe, attorneys, Joe McBride, John Gross, Brad Geyer, and Carol Stewart in, in a motion to dismiss the case. Yet, in what has become a standard in January 6 cases, Judge Christopher Cooper sidelined all the legal norms and dug up a case from 1971 in a very different era in which one defendant was hit with a 231A without having committed a violent act. Judge Cooper cited in his opinion on the motion to case of the famous Vietnam War protester, Abby Hoffman, many of you older folks will remember that name, who was charged under Section 231A3 for erecting a barricade to obstruct police during the 1971 May Day protest as precedent for plowing forward with this charge against Barnett. So they said no one's been charged by for this unless they committed an act of violence. You go back and you can find this one case where Abby Hoffman was charged, and used that to not dismiss this case against Barnett, okay? Now, now, follow me. Mind you, Barnett is not accused of anything as proactive as obstructing a, a barricade, but nonetheless, Cooper therefore concluded, the court thus declines Barnett's invitation to adopt the Eighth Circuit Court's apparent reading of the statute to require obstruction of an officer in a violent manner. So basically, the judge just decided on himself to throw this out. However, the notion that we would revert to a pre-modern legal era of civil liberties jurisprudence, jurisprudence is absurd and will never be applied to anyone else, certainly not to any protester on the left. But the biggest irony of all accentuating this two-tier justice system is how Judge Cooper sh could shamelessly bring up Abby Hoffman as a dangerous exception to free speech protection when an exhibit 
in this very courthouse where this trial was taking place on Monday, okay, the E. Barrett Pretty, the E. Barrett Prettyman Federal Courthouse lists among the court's accomplishments that has overturned this very precedent that led to such convictions. Okay, now I, I stumbled on that. So let me explain to you. This judge pulls out this case with Abby Hoffman to not as a reason to not dismiss Barnett's case, okay? When no one else has been charged with this in decades, okay? Yet at the courthouse this was taking place is on the very wall of this courthouse is a thing that says one of their greatest achievements is overturning the very case he just used to not dismiss Barnett's case. In a follow-up motion to dismiss following the final jury instructions before the close of the trial on January 19th, Barnett's lawyers noted that in the lobby, on the way to the cafeteria of the courthouse on Constitution Avenue, where this very trial and the trial for hundreds and soon to be thousands of January 6th defendants being held, there is a public display featuring several large exhibits that highlight the greatest achievements of this august court. One of the exhibits is dedicated to the First Amendment, and it says the May Day protest 1971 to 1981. How does it get any worse than that, folks? How does it get any more unjust, hypocritical, hypocritical? But this guy, Cooper, needs to be impeached. That's what we need to do. And when you go to this the video, or excuse me, go to the website, wethepeopleconvention.org, and read this article, and there's more to it, and share it, you'll see the video from Jake Lang that talks about the actual insurrection that happened on the day that Donald Trump was inaugurated in Washington, right, after the 2016 election, where hundreds and thousands of Antifa protesters broke windows, burned vehicles, and, and committed other crimes. 232 were arrested. Only one of them served a minute in jail, four months four months, and it shows in the video how they rigged the whole thing, okay? So if you're still naive enough to think that there's justice going on here, that this isn't a third world banana republic, this story will, will change your mind. You need to share this because that's what we're fighting for because we don't have our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity if we don't have a constitution and justice, equal justice under the law. In this podcast, you're going to see that, that it's this is being abused everywhere, everywhere, okay? And that's what we got to fix. That's what we got to fix. So the other big story this week was this Project Veritas video, okay? Project Veritas came out with a video where they did an undercover interview um, with this Jordan Tristan Walker, who claims that Pfizer, he's a Pfizer executive, is exploring a way to mutate COVID by a direct evolution to preemptively develop future vaccines. Okay? Now, I'm not going to play the video for you. It's on our website. I want to focus on what he said, but I also want to focus on what's happening. 
because this is why your individual freedom and liberty are at stake, okay? Um, Walker says that direct evolution is different than gain of function, which is defined as a mutation that confers new or enhanced activity on a protein. In other words, it means that a virus such as COVID can become more potent depending on the mutation scientific experience performed on it. Here are some of the highlights in the video. Uh, he said that mRNA, uh, he said one of the things we're exploring is like, why don't we just mutate COVID ourselves so we can create preemptively new vaccines, right? In other words, why don't we mutate COVID so that we know what it's going to do to people and we can have the vaccines ready so when you get it, we can make lots of money. That's what they mean, okay? They're going to mutate COVID for profit. Um, he said, so we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of like, you know, as you could imagine, no one wants to have a pharmaceutical company mutating effing viruses. No kidding. You have to be very controlled to make sure that this virus, COVID, that you mutate doesn't create something that just goes everywhere, which I suspect, he said, is the way that the virus started in Wuhan, to be honest. It makes no sense that this virus just popped out of nowhere. That's bullcrap, is what he said. Walker went on to explain how big pharma and government officials, such as the Food and Drug Administration, have mutual interests and how that is not in the best interest of the American people. Walker said, big pharma is a revolving door for all government officials in, in any industry, though. So in the pharma industry, all the people who review our drugs that you and I pay our tax dollars for in the government to review their drugs, eventually most of them will come to work for pharma companies. And the military defense government officials eventually work for the defense companies afterwards. It's pretty good for the industry, to be honest, but it's really bad for everyone else in America, right? So that's that's the problem. These people are conducting illegal activity and no one's doing anything about it. So we put out a press release, which you'll find on this page, okay? You know, the same page that this video is on, the Project Veritas videos. Today, uh, We the People Convention calls for immediate investigation of Pfizer COVID manipulation by DOJ. Tom Zawistowski, president of the Ohio-based National We the People Convention, called for every state attorney general and every member of Congress to demand that the DOJ immediately open an investigation into Pfizer Pharmaceuticals' plans to mutate COVID by a direct evolution to preemptively develop future vaccines for profit that was exposed yesterday in the explosive Project Veritas undercover video. Full disclosure, We the People Convention donates some of your donations to Project Veritas for this reason. Because there are few, if any, other investigative journalists out there anymore. And Project Veritas is the one breaking this story. Not 60 Minutes, right? Not CNN. No, no. Project Veritas. Zawistowski said, the undercover video released by Project Veritas yesterday on Jordan Tristan Walker, Pfizer's Director of Research and Development and Strategic Operations, detailing Pfizer's plans to intentionally mutate the deadly COVID virus in order to profit from subsequent mRNA, quote, vaccines, we call them shots, details clearly criminal and murderous behavior by a corporation that must be stopped. We call on every state attorney general and every member of U.S. Congress to demand that the DOJ announce an investigation immediately into these allegations and either prove that they are not true 
or that they have been stopped and the people responsible have been arrested and charged. Right? Wouldn't that be the appropriate answer? Zawistowski concluded, the American people, in fact, the citizens of the world, are not lab rats who can be exploited for profit and intentionally exposed to deadly pathogens to benefit greedy corporations, politicians, and government medical bureaucrats who make billions from our human suffering. It is past time for the DOJ and FBI and all law enforcement to stop protecting those profiting from this kind of medical corruption and start protecting the American people. That's our press release. You can find that at the, this story on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. You'll notice that I said that the state attorney generals and Congress should demand this. I'm asking you to take action. I'm asking you to call your state attorney general this week and demand that they demand that the DOJ and FBI investigate this video. That if Pfizer is operating in your state, that the attorney general investigate them to find out if this is true. This is, you talk about your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity, they're trying to kill you for money. And if we don't do this, notice, notice, okay, that Pfizer did not come out. This came out on Thursday did not come out on Friday with a press release saying, we deny these charges. They didn't do that. That's telling, isn't it? Results are changing quickly. Media big tech take pains to bury the Pfizer mutate video. FDA declines to say whether it asks Pfizer for explanation of the undercover video. Tucker Carlson's producer claims a Google staffer called us to kill the story. There's your big tech government censorship again. This is from Just the News. John Solomon, undercover video that purportedly shows a Pfizer executive explaining the company's direct evolution plan to keep COVID-19 as a cash cow. That's exactly what it is, folks. Okay. Then furiously backpedaling when Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe exposes the ruse has drawn intense curiosity for members of Congress but, but intermittent big tech throttling and partial media blackout. Despite the fact that the figure identified as Jordan Walker, belated calls himself a liar, trying to impress a person on a date, played the race card in requesting police involvement, and physically attacked O'Keefe and his film crew, that video is also on our website at this, you know, in this story, okay? Uh, a prominent tabloid inexplicably removed its article of the sting. Senator Ron Johnson demanded a congressional investigation of vaccine manufacturers and the entire COVID vaccine approval process, while Senator Marco Rubio of Florida asked Pfizer CEO Albert Burla to explain the company's actual or possible plans to mutate SARS-CoV-2 and any related discussions with industry peers or government officials. The FDA declined either to answer whether it was following up with Pfizer for an explanation of the, of the figure's comments or give the agency's interpretation of the video, telling Justin News to contact Pfizer, which was not responding. Was not responding. Okay? So why the cover-up? Why? And if, that's, if you got the cover-up, that means to me that we should have even more investigation. So that is why 
You need to take action to protect you and your family and your community's individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity and demand that your state attorney general not let this die and that you go to our website and share this page and this video with everyone you know because they don't want them to know. Just like all the other COVID stuff, right? And so let's talk about the other COVID stuff. Thanks to lockdowns, right? Here's what they're finding out. Another side effect of this whole thing. Thanks, lockdowns, 295,000 excess deaths reported in the U.S. since 2020 were not due to COVID. Well, what does that mean? Okay, there were 1.26 million excess deaths in the United States between February 2020 and the end of 2022. And over 295,000 did not have COVID listed as the main cause of their disease on their death certificates. As we've reported, this is from Red State, many experts are now revealing that COVID deaths have been vastly overcounted and many of the people who died did so with COVID, not from COVID. Literally, we're at the point now where when they said a million people died from COVID, of COVID, not with it, of it, it's really 250,000, okay? But this is the rest of the story. So the 295,000 figure is actually likely significant higher. What killed all those folks? The Daily Mail reports, these are thought to be mostly made up of, of deaths from cancer, heart disease, drug overdoses, and firearms during the pandemic. However, a full analysis of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is still likely weeks away. It's hard to, to question, it's a hard question to decide how many lives were saved by the shutdown themselves when so many people died. And basically what it means is that people we're afraid they were, well, first of all, the hospital was closed. Uh, the hospitals were spreading COVID like crazy. And people delayed getting testing, getting physicals, getting cancer treatments, getting all kinds of other treatments. It killed 295,000 people. Yeah, nobody's going to be held responsible for that, though. Nobody's going to be held responsible for that. Well, how about holding this person responsible? Remember good old Deborah Burks, right? Scarf lady? All right, Deborah Burks openly admits to lying about COVID vaccines to manipulate the American people. Remember her? Good old scarf lady? Yeah, okay. We, should, we shouldn't forget about De Dr. Deborah Bricks, the other half of Donald Trump's initial COVID-19 advisory team, though she has rarely drawn the same ire as Dr. Fauci, there's little reason to believe she wasn't just as duplicitous. As Red State reported recently, Burks is busy promoting her new book, and it contains several brazen admissions of dishonesty, including misleading the Trump administration by disobeying orders and altering reports. Okay, Burks dishonestly and illegally changed the guidance and instructions issued by people senior to her, in particular those of President Trump. When Donald Trump said, do this, like get Ivermectin to, DC, to New York to help with the people dying there, they changed the orders wrongly, illegally. If she didn't support what she was being told to do, she had an obligation to challenge those instructions openly and transparently and do what she thought was told to do. If she didn't like those orders, she was obliged to resign. Every person who died alone in a hospital room, every business driven into bankruptcy, and every child who lost a year of education due to Burks's actions should count as a felony indictment. On Fox News, Dr. Burks appeared uh, and said, I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. 
wait a minute, you knew they weren't going to protect against infection, yet you came on TV day after day and said, if you take the vax, you won't get COVID. Uh, she claims vaccines protected against severe disease and hospitalizations before saying that 50% of those who died from Omicron were old and vaccinated. It said they would protect against severe disease and hospitalizations. 50% of those who died were vaccinated. So it didn't, did it? What an incredible thing to just spit out on cable news while promoting a book. You can tell Burks has no remorse and no fear at all that she might be faced backlash for brazenly lying in order to try to manipulate the American people. Why did she do that? I think they did it for money. They did it for money. That's what this is all about. And that's why this latest Project Veritas video, we need to be investigating because it will unravel all the rest of this and hopefully bring Fauci and Burks and all the rest of them who made billions killing people for money. Okay. Let me put this uh, out here because this is better news. Okay. Because this is again, the censorship judge grants temporary injunction against California law, awful law, Dr. Muzzling law. Okay. And so this is that law that California put out that basically said, if you're a doctor in the state of California, you cannot decide for yourself how to treat your patients. You must just do what the state says you must do. You can't even speak about it, okay? And so this is good news. We all felt this was insanity. But then again, it's California where insanity you know, lives, right? The Cal a California federal judge granted a temporary injunction Wednesday against the State Assembly Bill 2098 called Physicians and Surgeons Unprofessional Conduct Law in a big win for all doctors who don't appreciate their speech being censored. The medical misinformation bill was signed into law by the nutjob Gavin Newsom, who thinks he's going to be president of the United States in September and marks one of the biggest dictatorial pandemic era overreaches by the governor and the Golden State Legislature, which is run by a supermajority of leftist communist Democrats. The short version of the law is if you're a doctor and you say anything about COVID that the state doesn't like, they will take away your license to practice and therefore your career. Somewhere in Washington, D.C., there's a copy of the U.S. Constitution, but it would appear that Newsom hasn't bothered to read it or one of its central features, the First Amendment. Okay? So doctors involved the case, Hogue versus Newsom, took to Twitter to celebrate the fact that at least one judge in the state put on a stay, but they haven't won yet, right? He put on a stay, but they still have to fight this. So that's how insane this is. It's real simple. The government should have nothing to say about your health care. If you don't like what your doctor says, you can change doctors. But your doctor has to have the, the right to say what they think you should do. And it's that trust between the patient and the doctor that this whole COVID thing has destroyed and we may never get back. And that's a tragedy that is going to kill millions more in the years to come. That's what's so sad about all this stuff. Okay. So now the other big, you know, story this week that, you know, we really need to get into big time. And, and it's really, I'll try to simplify it for you, but it does affect us and our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity because this is the method by which 
our nation is being destroyed. Okay? So FBI finds more classified documents at Biden home, uh, some from years in Senate. This story is on our website, and there's lots of links in this story. Okay? Now, this is a week-old story, and, and a lot's happened since then. So let me just try to sum it up for you the best I can. All right? The, the Biden, you know, the whole Biden scandal uh, has all kinds of dynamics to it, which we've talked about in the last two podcasts, right? The question is, who's doing this? Like, why would the left do this to Biden? Because clearly there was no need for these Biden documents to be exposed or leaked unless someone was trying to get him not to run for president, okay? On the other hand, we see that the DOJ and the FBI are doing things to help cover this up. Now, here's the worst part. There looks to be clear evidence that what was going on is that Biden, as vice president, was stealing classified documents and giving them to his son to sell to foreign governments in exchange for money. They're peddling influence, okay? And so the New York Post had a story that was, you know, very, you know, very powerful where they quoted an email from the, the Hunter Biden laptop from hell that basically was, looked like it was copied directly from a classified document. And see, what's going on now is even though they've, you know, they've done the Biden Penn Center right, at the University of Pennsylvania that the Chinese funded. They, they've gotten documents there. They've gotten documents in multiple parts of Biden's house. They won't show us what those documents are. And Comer and Jordan have demanded, we want to see these documents, but they don't want you to see the documents. Because if you could see the documents, you'll be able to tie the knot between what Hunter Biden was doing with China and Ukraine, and now, believe it or not, George Soros and Albania. Okay, as reported earlier by Christina Lena, according to emails uncovered from the laptop from hell, Hunter Biden sent his business partner, Devin Archer, a very detailed email on Ukraine on April 13th, 2014, just one week before Joe Biden visited Ukraine to meet then Prime Minister uh, Alinsky Yaskanak. It appears that Hunter Biden was emailing Devin Archer information he received from his briefing his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, held earlier or the information may have come directly from talk secret documents. And they lay those documents out. You can see that document from the Hunter Biden laptop. So Dan Bongino, you know, and I talk about Dan a lot because, you know, he's he's got a really good podcast. And if you're looking for a replacement for Rush Limbaugh, Dan Bongino is not Rush Limbaugh. He doesn't have the personality or the delivery of Limbaugh. But he's got great information and he's honest, okay, and he works hard. And you can get his podcast on Rumble. Just go to rumble.com and Dan Bugino. Watch his Friday show. He is tying this all together. And you know, remember, he was a Secret Service agent, right? He was a New York City policeman. He knows of what he speaks, okay? And basically, he talks about a story that Fox News broke uh, this week. Former Biden assistant questioned by law enforcement over classified docs reported repeatedly appeared in Hunter emails. Republican James Comer of Kentucky joined Fox and Friends to discuss the Biden classification documents controversy and his think tank's possible ties to China. 
a former top aide to President Biden, who was reportedly was questioned by federal investigators as part of the probe into the president's handling of classified documents, meaning Biden, exchanged emails with Hunter Biden on numerous occasions, according to Fox News Digital Review. Kathy Chung, Biden's executive assistant when he was vice president and the Pentagon's current deputy director of protocol, is among several former aides to the president to be interviewed by law enforcement, NBC News reported on Thursday. Chung and others questioned reportedly helped move materials and belongings from Biden's office at the end of the Obama administration in early 2017, meaning they think she's the one that facilitated moving the boxes with declassified documents in them. Throughout much of the five-year tenure working for Biden during the Obama administration, Chung regularly communicated with Biden's son, Hunter, transmitting information about his father's schedule and passing messages directly from the then-Vice President, according to emails obtained from Biden's abandoned laptop. Chung's relationship with Hunter Biden also appears to date back before she worked for his father. The email showed that Hunter Biden recommended Chung for the executive assistant role when the previous holder of the job, Michelle Smith, departed the White House in the spring of 2012. So Dan Bongino talks about this Chung lady, okay, and that there was this stuff going on in Albania that John Durham was looking into that had George Soros involved with this effort to discredit Trump and remove Trump from office and the money that was flowing back and forth between them, okay? And so this whole thing is starting to unravel and Bongino points how the deep state is scared because they're starting to leak more information. And I'm going to talk at the end of this segment before we break for the second half of the show about a very curious connection to something that you wouldn't think is connected. Now, final thing was, you guys saw that, well, Shazam, out of nowhere, Boy Scout Pence, right? Mike Pence, former VP with Donald Trump, just out of the blue goes, oh, you know, I asked my staff to look in my stuff and we found some classified information too. Oh, really? Oh, really? Do you think that really happened? Or do you think that the people trying to protect Biden, who, you know, remember, Pence was in Congress for a long time before he became governor of Indiana and then Trump's vice president, right? Don't tell me he doesn't have deep state connections. Tell me that they didn't just say, hey, we need a cover story. Go plant this stuff in your office and then announce you found it. Right? Would you believe that's possible? I, I don't just believe it's possible. I think it's probable. Right? It's a cover story because you know what now? Well, then, you know, what Trump did and what Biden did isn't so bad because, well, it looks like everybody's doing it. And then the National Archives puts out a story saying, uh, we're asking all former vice presidents and presidents to look through your stuff and see that you just might have some classified information. See the cover up? Okay. But the stuff that Biden's got ain't just accidental. Okay. It's at the heart of the Biden crime family's efforts to get, to sell out our nation to China and Ukraine and Russia and anybody who will write them a check. And that's why their house is on fire and they're trying to put this out. So pay attention. 
because Trump did nothing compared to this crap. Now, all this is probably going to help Trump, but the question is, what's going on here still? And is anybody ever going to be held accountable? That's the big question, right? That's what we're all asking. But it's just interesting because things are starting to happen. Secret Service gathering info after GOP demands visitor logs for Biden's classified document locations. Okay, well, as you know, at a private home where you know Biden goes all the time. I mean, he works like three days a week. He's in he's in Delaware all the time. Well, you know what? That's kind of like Hillary Clinton having her own personal server at her house, right? It's very convenient for you to sell secrets and to meet with people when you don't do it at the White House. So what's interesting is the Secret Service, they don't, they don't make people sign a book when you go to the White House. I've been to the White House. You have to you know, sign in. They know everyone who visits the White House. But they do have logs that they keep because they got to know if they're a criminal or if something happens, they got to be able to find the person. So they do have logs, and the and the basically they say they're going to turn them over. Um, Chuck Senator Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson wrote to the Secret Service on Monday in a letter obtained by the Washington Examiner and requested the visitor logs. Now the Secret Service says it is evaluating that letter and is currently in the process of gathering various information as well as working through appropriate channels to locate what may be responsive to Congress's inquiries. Okay, so basically they're going to come up with visitor logs. Boy, won't that be interesting? Won't that be interesting? So what, what does Washington do? What, what's the next move? Distraction. Distraction. Okay? And many people said what's happening today with Antifa around the country is distraction. Don't watch what's going on that's important to you. Well, we try to focus and, and get rid of the distractions. So here's the big deal, you know, that's going on now. And that is this week, Biden and Germany and Poland and Spain and Norway all agreed to send tanks to Ukraine in in an escalation of the war in Ukraine, which is really the big deal. Why are we doing this? Why aren't we trying to stop the war? You think by giving tanks to them, you're going to stop the war? No, you're going to keep the war going because that's what they want. Why do they want that? Yesterday, we got an indication that the tide has turned on the decision to send tanks to Ukraine. As expected, both U.S. and Germany announced they would be sending tanks, through, uh, though the details of when the shipments will be sent remain vague. Yeah, it's going to take six months to send them. Speaking at the White House after a morning telephone call to European allies, Mr. Biden said that the United States would send 31 Abrams tanks, the equivalent of a Ukraine battalion, and that Germany would follow through by contributing its own Leopard 2 tanks and freeing other allies to send more of their own equipment, the equivalent of two more battalions. These tanks are further evidence of our enduring, unflagging commitment to Ukraine and our confidence in the skills of Ukrainian forces, Mr. Biden said, flanked by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Okay, it will take six months to get these things. Now, wouldn't you know that while we're doing this, what happens next? Oh, there's a corruption scandal in Ukraine. Where's all this material going, right? We've been saying, what's really going on here in Ukraine? Well, there's been a serious shakeup in the upper echelons of the Ukraine government this week, reaching all the way to the office of Vladimir Zelensky, okay? 
At least four high-ranking officials in Kiev have either resigned or been dismissed amidst an ongoing corruption investigation that somehow had failed to generate a lot of headlines in the United States. Really? Yeah, so our money, that our hard-earned money, the billions we're sending, are getting taken and stolen? Nothing to see here, right? Nothing to see here. The people involved have mostly been accused of lining their own pockets with money that should have gone to aid the public during the war. Okay? And it says, the first name on the list should have raised some immediate red flags. And his name is Kyrylo Tymoshenko, was the deputy head of Zelensky's presidential office. He had previously been linked to the embezzlement of humanitarian aid worth more than $7 million. So the guy directly second to Zelensky was still in $7 million. That money was supposed to go toward feeding people in areas battered harshly during the Russian attacks, but it disappeared. Oh, yeah. Don't you feel better about your money? Our tax dollars go in there? Yeah. It should go without saying that much of that cash came from American taxpayers. That much loose disappeared from the right from right inside of Zelensky's own office. And, of course, he knew nothing about it. Don't you believe that? Deputy Defense Minister Valeshlav Shaparovov also resigned over the disappearance of money that was supposed to feed Ukrainian's troops. Ukraine's troop. Deputy Prosecutor Gerald Alcizamenko also hit the bricks for unspecified reasons. Okay? This is a corrupt regime. They are puppets of the West. They're not a democracy. They're not, they're not the good guys. Okay? They are the tools of the Davos Global World Order elite who are trying to push us into war with Russia. Okay? That's my belief. You may believe otherwise. Write to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org and send me information that convinces me otherwise. Because I've said to you guys all along, I ain't buying any of this. So I'm going to play this short clip of a, of a guy named um, McGregor, okay? He's a, he's a general who's, who's not a war hawk. He's been against this for a long time. And listen to what he has to say about this. But I think we need to understand what's really happening. Number one, people have no faith in Ukraine's ability to win this war. We have been lying about what's happening in Ukraine between the Russian and Ukrainian forces for months. We have been exaggerating Russian losses, exaggerating Russian problems, and minimizing and obviating Ukrainian problems and losses. The, the truth is seeping out. You can't conceal it much longer. So the first thing is they know they can't win. In other words, our, we're losing the proxy war. Our proxy can't win it. Secondly, <clears throat> the Europeans are concluding that this is dangerous. You know, how far, how far out do we stick our necks? Are and they, they don't have the military industrial power to rapidly produce anything. And I think this is enormously important. The lead time, for instance, for <clears throat> the AMRAAM missile, which is a very important weapon that's used in the F-15, the F-22, the F-35, and by NASAMS, this, uh, you know, brilliant, uh, what I would call it, um, brilliant uh, air defense system that we and the Norwegians have put together with Konsberg. It's, it's excellent for shooting down cruise missiles, helicopters, so forth. <coughs> the problem is that from the moment you ask for a missile, the wait time until you get it is 32 months. Oh. That's how long it takes to produce these things. When you look at all of the missiles that we're promising the Ukrainians and the systems, they're not going to arrive in any in any short period of time. 
Now, the Germans are talking about giving the Ukrainians uh, air defense systems like the Patriot, and they'll probably provide them with some missiles. But you'll go through those missiles very rapidly, and you just can't replace them. So it's a, the Europeans and we do not have the surge capacity to fight a major war. We just don't have it. The Russians do. Their factories are operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Contrary to popular belief, they're not running out of anything. They've got more of what they need than they've ever had. So you, all of this is dangerous. That's what we're learning from the Europeans now in private. Okay. Now, I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I suspect that, okay, he's right. Why? I've told you guys all along. Until they start, meaning the, the, the you know deep state media and our government, starts reporting how many Ukrainians have been killed, how many Ukrainian civilians and military have been killed, how many tanks they've lost, how many planes they've lost. I don't believe anything they say. Just this week, okay, so we said we're going to send them 31 tanks, and the Germans and the rest are going to send another 60 or whatever, okay? that's that's Let's say it's 100 tanks, and these are badass tanks, let me tell you, okay? But the Iranians... Just gave the Russians a thousand missiles, a thousand missiles that can fire into Ukraine. And this week, there was a missile attack on, I don't know, Wednesday or something. And they said, oh, like a hundred missiles hit Ukraine and two people were reported dead. I'm not stupid. They ain't firing these missiles to not kill anyone, right? They're lying to us. And then, then this comes up, right? And, and boy, what is right? You'll all be shocked by this one, right? Report, Putin wants to buy U.S. weapons. Biden left in Afghanistan, but there's even more, okay? So, so this is just, you know, typical. Billions of dollars worth of U.S. weapons are on the negotiating table between Russia's strongman Vladimir Putin and Afghanistan's Taliban government, according to at least one insider. President Biden's bungled bug out from Afghanistan resulted in a windfall for the new radical Islamic government, including artillery, attack helicopters, and thousands of Humvees, machine guns, and radios, all left behind as our orderly withdrawal degenerated into a rout. The Defense Department estimates the total value of the gear left behind as a whopping $7.12 billion, and now Putin is reportedly offering to buy whatever he and the battered Russian army needs. Okay? Stupid on top of stupid. What is this all about? I think it's about the destruction of the West. I think, you know, we, we know that at Davos and at the World Economic Forum, that they want to reduce the population of the planet. Well, COVID was a good start. Let's have World War III. Let's see if we can kill, I don't know, 500 million people or so. Maybe, maybe a billion, right? If we're lucky, let's get... Let's get Putin to start a nuclear war. That will thin the herd. Call me crazy, folks, but I see no interest in the United States in this Ukraine war. I think we caused it. I think President Trump would have never let it happen. And I'm, call me skeptical. Okay? Call me skeptical. And then we'll finish before we take our break with this. Former FBI agent who wrongfully prosecuted Trump, caught taking money from Russia. Right? right? Trump says, may he rot in hell. May he rot in hell. 
So this is up, right? Donald Trump reacted with glee after a former FBI official who was involved in the investigation into the alleged ties between the former president's 2016 campaign team and Russia was arrested. Charles McGonagall, 54, the former head of counterintelligence for the FBI's New York office, is accused of secretly working for the U.S.-sanctioned Russian oligarch Oleg Desperoska, as well as conspiring to commit money laundering. Prosecutors said that McGonagall is alleged to have tried to help Desperoska get off the sanctions list after leaving the FBI in 2018. He also alleged to have taken money off the Russian billionaire in 2019 in order to investigate a rival oligarch. While not connected to the investigation, McGonagall was one of the leading figures behind the investigation into alleged Russian collusion in the 2016 election. McGonagall was one of the first FBI figures to be made aware of the allegations that George Papadopoulos, a campaign advisor to Trump, boasted that he knew Russia had dirt on Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton. Okay? But anyway, the bottom line is that the FBI, out of nowhere, gets this guy. Now, I told you about the Dan Bongino story on his Friday podcast. It turns out that this guy that the FBI arrested has hired John Durham. Remember John Durham, right? Supposed to be investigating Russia, Russia, Russia. And and who was behind that? This guy just hired John Durham's best friend to be his lawyer. And Dan Bongino thinks that Durham has got this guy to flip and tell on Comey and Strzok and and, and Page and, uh, and... all the rest of them behind Russia, Russia, Russia. And that they're all tied together with the Biden story. I don't know all the details, folks. I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't know if anyone will ever go to jail. But if they don't go to jail, because folks, they've sold us out to our enemies, to China, to Russia, to Ukraine, to Albania, to George Soros. They have hurt you and I. Okay, they've stolen billions of our tax dollars. They've allowed us to be killed. You know, I, I started beginning the show. Why is the flag flying upside down, right? Because they're, we're in danger of death and loss of property. This is what it's all about. But will it ever come out and will it ever be brought to justice? We'll talk more in the second half of the podcast. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and we'll be back after these couple of messages. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention. P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. When you're playing a video, including our podcast, you'll see this little cloud button. And if you click it, it'll actually download the the video to your hard disk. And this works on our podcast page as well. If if you're playing our podcast, and it's going to be loud, so I won't play it for much, but there's our podcast playing, and you can see this little you know, download button, okay? The other thing you got to notice on our podcast page is that there's a link here where you can send me a message 
about this podcast. Hey, it was great. Hey, I didn't like it. What you know, something was wrong, or here's a correction, that kind of thing. You can use that link. And then these are the stories that I covered in this particular podcast. And you'll see there's links that go to the stories that to the articles that I used in reporting on that. So you can you can click on that. Um, you'll also see that um, you can sign up for our emails and text messages, but you can also watch our podcast on Roku TV and on Amazon Fire TV. And these are the instructions for doing that. So this is all on our, our podcast page, right? Right on the front page where the yellow button was. So if you click there. You know, this is our podcast page. These are the instructions for watching on Roku TV or Amazon Fire. And I watch our podcast on TV. It just feels more comfortable. Uh, so you can do that. We're also on Rumble. Uh, if you go to Rumble, uh, you should join Rumble. Uh, and, you know, it's Tom Z at WTPC. You'll see our podcast there. So you can get us a lot of different ways, including on Apple iTunes. And then this is an audio uh, version of our podcast. If you click here, it'll just play the audio of the podcast. It will not, uh, you know, uh, you know, show you the video. So people can, you know, listen to that while they're jogging or, you know, working out, working in the yard or just relaxing and just want to listen to the audio and not watch the video. And again, this is available on phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your computer, any way you want. And you can share, you know, this, this, you know, whatever you see, if you're on a page that you, you know, you really like and you know, you see an article that you think, geez, I've got to share this article, you know, with uh, someone in my family. You can send them an email by clicking on the little envelope. You can uh, post it on Parler or MeWe. If you click on this, you get all kinds of options, you know, where you can put it on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, which we don't support, but uh, you can do whatever you want. So, so we ask that you share what uh, you see on our We the People convention site and that um, you get more people to look at it because uh, that's the whole idea here, to help uh, educate people, inform them. And then, as I said uh, before, Link, we're not just about talk, we're about action. And in my podcast every week, uh, which is published every Saturday, so if you, you know, the new podcast usually comes out every Saturday. And in that podcast, I will ask you to do certain things that will help protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So that's the We The People Convention website. Come back often, use it uh, to be, formed, be informed, and uh, share it with others. Thanks a lot. All right, and uh, thank you, you know, for you, all, all of you who do act, right? I talked about now, you know, it's about action. In the first half of the show, I asked you to call your state attorney general and demand that they demand that Pfizer be investigated for what looks like illegal activity, criminal activity. I expect you who are watching this to do that. We are big enough as an organization. We're not big, believe me. We're no, we're big like, you know, Heritage or something like that, right? We've got over 100,000 members around the country in all 50 states. But when you act, it's more than enough. Believe me, if your attorney general gets 10 phone calls saying, I demand that you protect me and investigate Pfizer, Okay, they're going to listen. It doesn't take a lot of calls, right? In the in the, uh, the story that I posted about the January sixth, you know, uh, person who was found guilty on Monday, you know, I asked you to call your congressman and demand that they uh, 
stop this injustice, okay? Now, I know most of you have done this. We've been doing this for 15, going on 15 years now. And it's frustrating because they don't want to take our calls. They don't want to hear from us, okay? And it seems like it doesn't do any good. But right now, that's the best option we've got. Now, some of these you know, congressmen are going to be speaking publicly in your communities. You need to make an effort to get out of the house and go see them and raise these questions. And one of the questions you need to raise is this one, you know, I'm going to talk to you about right now because I, I think this is just horrible, you know, what's going on. And, and I just don't understand, you know, what, what we have to do. Uh, hold on one second. I'm, I'm sorry. I've got to find my new, a different graphic for this one second. Oh, pardon me for taking time for that. Um, there it is. Okay. Here's this, this story that's just really upsetting to me, and it's on our website, and you need to you know, go watch it. Starvation in Africa and around the world is intentional murder by the woke West. Starvation in Africa and around the world is intentional murder by the woke West. I, I don't choose those words flippantly. I'm not giving you clickbait. We're about the truth, okay? And we're about perspective. I will never lie to you intentionally, okay? I may make a mistake and say something that I think is true that found later to not be true. I will never lie to you, okay? So when I say starvation in Africa and around the world is intentional murder by the woke West, I'm not kidding, okay? So this article you need to share. While the self-proclaimed elites met in Davos at the World Economic Forum to discuss the phony climate crisis, they did not spend a minute taking action to address the intentional murder of millions of poor people from starvation caused by their intentional woke anti-human communist agenda. Okay? Now, that's a big paragraph. Why aren't you hearing about this on U.S. news networks and cable channels and newspapers? Why aren't you hearing about this, right? We have been watching the predictable outcomes surrounding the Western government's shift to change energy policy for almost two years. Approximately a year ago, we said the absence of food will change things. As energy resources like natural gas were curtailed and resulting price increase and subsequent shortages of fertilizer was discussed in great detail well in advance. Now we are starting to see exactly what those warning voices were talking about. An interesting article in Zero Hedge uh, website, Saturday, draws attention to how the media can no longer try to ignore the created global food crisis. According to Zero Hedge, people on the other side of the planet are dropping dead from starvation right now. But most people don't even realize this is happening. Unfortunately, most people just assume that everything is fine and dandy. If you're one of those people that believe that everything is just wonderful, I would encourage you to pay close attention to the details that I am about to share with you. Global hunger is rapidly spreading, and that is because global food supplies have been getting tighter and tighter. If current trends continue, we could potentially be facing a nightmare scenario before this calendar year, 2023, is over. Okay? The article then goes on to detail the issues and food shortages in Pakistan, India, and the entire African continent. 
Factually, according to media reports on the region, the worst food crisis in history is happening. Yet most U.S. and European Union media are avoiding it. The famine is happening is almost completely uh, complete Western silence. Keep in mind, none of this is unexpected. In fact, the G7 countries discussed the pending problem in the middle of 2022, last year, and yet took no one took any steps to avoid it. Where was the Operation Warp Speed to create a different fertilizer so people wouldn't starve when you intentionally started a war in Ukraine, the breadbasket of the world, and Russia, who provide a lot of the fertilizer in the world, like 40%. Where was it? Before that war, why didn't you start a thing to get fertilizer unless you wanted people to starve? The article goes on, let's see. The bottom line is, that Vladimir Putin's military action against eastern Ukraine had nothing to do with the severe food shortage and inflation in Sri Lanka, nor did Russia have any influence over the Dutch government trying to stop food production. Additionally, Putin had no control over Justin Trudeau's decision to limit harvest yields by blocking the use of nitrogen-based fertilizers. More importantly, it was not up to Vladimir Putin, who forced all the Western politicians to sign up for a new climate-friendly energy program that is destroying the ability of Western farms to generate higher-yield crops. This is intentional. We in the West are committing genocide on the week where you know we're celebrating the, the uh, 75th anniversary of freeing the Jews from the death camps in Germany, where we said, never again, never again will we let them just, just kill people for because they're Jews or they're whatever, any other thing. Well, we're killing people because they're poor and they don't deserve to live. Because if you listen to Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, these people don't have a right to live. But we got to save the planet, don't you know? which is a total fraud. Anyone tells you that we are in danger of climate, go back and watch the thing I told you about last week on Jordan Peterson, talking about energy and climate. Powerful video in the We the People Convention video section. You will understand 1,000% that there is no threat of world destruction from climate change, particularly man-made climate change. In fact, things are looking great. But let's kill millions of poor people. Why? Because you're evil. Because you want to dominate. So it's good to see this story. Attorneys General Sue Bidenman over rule that lets ESG into retirement savings. Right? This is how diabolical this is. This is how, I mean, again, what moral compass must you have to intentionally cut off food supplies to millions of poor people? Right? So it's not surprising to me that multiple Republican state attorney generals filed suit against the Labor Department over a measure that would nix a previous ban on environmental, social, and corporate government investments, also known as ESG, among fiduciaries managing retirement funds. The agency, the Labor Department, uh, published a final rule last year that reflected the Biden administration's directive to safeguard the economy from climate-related financial risk that may threaten the life savings and pensions of American workers and families. So get this, right? Where the Labor Department and Biden do a rule that says, oh, 
you know, we've got to protect your pension from the dangers of climate change, which isn't real. Okay? All right? So under the new rule, which reverses a prohibition formally created under the Trump administration, fiduciaries are permitted to weigh the economic effects of climate change and other ESGA considerations as long as such concerns are relative, relevant to a risk and return analysis. Right? The lawsuit filed on Thursday by 25 attorney generals contends that the new rule underrides key protections for retirement savings of 152 million workers. 152 million workers, folks. There's only 330 million people in the United States. About 225 million of them work. 153, million of them are affected by this. Established under the Employer Retirement Income Security Act, also known as IRSA, a statute that creates a minimum standard for conduct for pension plans in the private sector. One of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit is Liberty Energy, an oil and gas company which contends the rule would invite activists to wage proxy campaigns against their company. We are suing because this regulation makes it harder to protect our workers' retirement security and impedes investing in our industry and its ability to provide reliable and affordable energy to our communities, Liberty Energy CEO Chris Wright said in a statement provided to the Daily Wire. The former rule established by the Trump administration barred fiduciaries from selecting investments based on non pecuniary considerations, meaning non-financial considerations, and required them to base investment decisions on financial factors alone. Critics of the ESG movement contend that the investment philosophy mingles political and social causes, such as reducing carbon emissions and achieving racial diversity in a manner that compromises profitability. This is how insidious this is. This is why we are under attack. That's why we are trying to protect and defend your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So when I said, call your state attorney generals and demand that they get Pfizer investigated, when you're on the phone, let them know that they're doing the right thing, those 25 red state attorney generals, and there'll be a link to this story in our, in our podcast page so you can see who they are, okay? And say, thank you for protecting our individual pension accounts, okay? From this made-up lie of climate change, which you're trying to use to destroy our economy, okay? That's the second ask. One same call, one call to the attorney generals. But that story definitely affects your pension. You think you're going to get the same return on investment in your pension when you can't invest in your own company that's an energy company? Guess who's making the most money in the world right now? Energy companies. Because these stupid policies are reducing the amount of oil and gas, which makes it more expensive. But we don't want your pension investing in that. No, no, no. We don't want that. My God, it's just insane. So I talked to you guys last week about how the big distraction that they're going to try to get off the Ukraine war and off the Biden scandal, okay, which is also the Clinton scandal and, you know, the whole deep state scandal was the debt ceiling. And so you saw all these stories this week about Republicans are trying to destroy the economy of the world. 
by not raising the debt ceiling, the White House says there will be no negotiations. You just raise the debt ceiling, the amount we want, and there'll be no compromise. And for, to their credit, the House is saying, no, no, no. McCarthy's saying we need to balance the budget. We need to cut our spending. That's what we need to do. And like 80% of Americans say one of their biggest worries is government spending. So it was a joy to see Rand Paul, one of the few real conservatives in the Senate, make this speech this week. Real short. President Biden says he won't negotiate over raising the debt ceiling. I have news for him. He absolutely will negotiate. Conservatives will not vote to raise the debt ceiling. The majority in the House, Republican majority in the House, will not vote to raise the debt ceiling without significant budget reform. The greatest threat to our country is, and the greatest threat to our national security is the debt. One of the great things about where we are now, though, is it really doesn't take as much as you would think to actually balance the budget. In Europe, over half of the countries balance their annual budget. We think of Europe, of Germany and Sweden, of having these large governments, and they do, but they're actually fiscally responsible in the sense that they spend what comes in. We could do it in our country. If we were to have a $100 billion cut, which would still have a spending way more than we spent before COVID, a $100 billion cut in free spending, we would balance our budget in just four years. This is amazing. We have an opportunity here. It could be done, but it would take compromise between both parties. Republicans would have to give up the sacred cow that says we will never touch a dollar in military, and the Democrats would have to give up the sacred cow that they will never touch a dollar in welfare. Everything would have to be looked across the board. No one has a sacred area that would be immune. And when you make the cuts across the board, they aren't as big as you'd actually think they would be. It's a responsible thing to do, but President Biden needs to know absolutely he will negotiate and it's better to start now. Okay, so there you have it. But think about that. See, what's unsaid there is the amount of money they are taking, they, the government, not our government, the government is taking out of our economy in taxes is at the highest level in history. I think the number is like $4.9 trillion, not counting the extra COVID money. We spent $7 trillion in two years. Okay. And he's, and so the bottom line is, is he's saying, with you cut a hundred billion dollars, you could balance the budget in four years. We're giving Ukraine more than a hundred billion dollars. We gave the the uh, the uh, EPA like eighteen billion dollars for environmental justice. What is a hundred billion out of four point nine trillion? It's insane. When are the adults going to enter the room? Well, hopefully the House that we're, you know, we elected, it's now in charge, it's going to be the adults. And what I think you heard there is Senator Paul, he's ready to filibuster. You will negotiate Biden and the Democrats, and we're not going to buy all the crap that they're going to destroy Social Security and, and everything else. That's all you're hearing on the left, all lies, all propaganda. You need to be informed. That's why you watch this show and inform others to expose their lies and debunk them. So here's the real story. The, the 
Congressional Budget Office says Social Security is going broke in 2033 without changes. And this is no surprise, folks. We've known this. Again, they've been stealing from the Social Security Trust Fund since it started, right? In a video message, former President Donald Trump called on GOP members to not compromise on Social Security. A recent report by the Congressional Budget Office projects that the two major Social Security funds in the United States will dry out in the coming decades, with one of them running out within the next 10 years, as younger members in the program are set to lose more than older members. If the gap between the trust funds, outlays, and incomes occurs as the CBO projects, then the balance in the trust funds will decline to zero in 2023, and the Social Security Administration will no longer be able to pay full benefits when they are due, the CBO stated in its report published in December. Okay, Trump said, under no circumstance should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security to help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree, which is more reckless than anybody's ever done or had in the history of our country. Trump said in a statement posted on Truth Social on Friday, do not cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. He said, save Social Security, don't destroy it. Okay, well, that's the point. There's nobody trying to cut Social Security. And I found these statistics interesting. The CBO expects spending on Social Security to increase to 70% of U.S. gross domestic product, to 7% of U.S. gross domestic product in 2096, up from 5% in 2022. Now, why they chose that, I don't know. Who the hell knows what happened in 2096, okay? During this period, revenues are only expected to remain at 4.6% of GDP, who the hell knows that it's going to be 4.6% of GDP? So they, this is, again, where the they play games with these numbers, okay? But basically, the problem is that we haven't raised the age that you can qualify for Social Security for decades, even though we're living much longer and we're working, you know, much less. So the bottom line is you have to make adjustments to save it. It's just good financial management. But, oh, the media and the left want to use it to scare seniors. They're going to cut your Social Security. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're going to try to save it. And somebody better act to save it, or we aren't going to have it. If anyone's going to screw up our Social Security, it's the Democrats, because they're spending all this money to produce their leftist revolution to destroy our country. Right? Like I said earlier in the podcast, when you're when you're talking about totalitarian communists who want equality, equal outcomes, you're all equal. You're equally poor. <coughs> that goes for you on Social Security as well. Thank God we're going to try to fight this. So now I want to just jump back. I, I mentioned this earlier when we talked about the riots that are going on today in various cities about this brutal beating death of the black man in, in Memphis by five black police officers. And I want to go back to what I've talked about on four consecutive shows now. And this is that Antifa holdout in Atlanta where they want to believe, build a police training center. Like, wouldn't that be a good idea, right? To build a police training center so we get a better police who don't just kill people, right? Well, Antifa's trying to stop it. And I told you that, you know, first they arrested a couple of them and actually charged them. But, oh, they got on bail right away, right? Surprise. Then one of these crazy people shot a policeman in the chest, a state trooper. He must have had his vest on. It didn't kill him. And the other police officers shot back and killed him. So Antifa decides to have a night of rage in Atlanta, 
Okay. Well, here's what you got to know about all this stuff. Okay. How the IRS helped fund the Atlanta riots. I thought this was a very different look that you should have. Even after an Atlanta forest defender, that's the Atlanta forces, their Antifa thing, shot a Georgia state trooper in the stomach and his comrades set off a race riot in the city, the leftist group at the center of all it is still fundraising. This comes months after the leftists threw Molotov cocktails at police and nearly burned an elderly driver to death. Multiple members of the occupation have been arrested on domestic terrorism charges, and yet the IRS and Georgia's Secretary of State have done nothing yet. Um, in Atlanta, small business owners are sweeping away broken glass, and police have recovered explosive devices from some of the rioters. Yet the Atlanta force defenders are still raising money through Open Collective a 501c3 nonprofit fundraising platform that Front Page Magazine has previously exposed for providing fundraising for assorted eco-terrorists, including the Just Stop Oil Vandals who glued themselves to the girl with the pearl earrings painting. That is despite the fact that Open Collective's terms of service prohibit illegal activities, and they're a nonprofit 501c3 that our government allows them not to pay taxes on the money that they bring in. The Open Collective Foundation has received funding for digital infrastructure grants from the Ford Foundation, George Soros' Open Society, and some other networks. Okay? Now, remember when, when they were having the rise of 2020 and the, and the media and the Democrats and, and the leftists basically said, oh, this isn't organized. These are people outraged by George Floyd's death. And they are just rising up, okay? And last night on Tucker Carlson's show, he called bullcrap on that. These people aren't watching the TV. Now, the video was released at 7 o'clock last night. But before it, there was all kinds of social media chatter in all kinds of cities of Antifa planning riots. Well, if you hadn't seen the video yet, how can it be spontaneous that you're outraged by the actions of those police officers to rise up and go out and burn things in your city? The answer is, it's not. Like I said, this is KKK 2.0. Antifa and BLM are the militia of the communist Democrat left, right? And so they kept saying to us, Antifa is just an idea, don't you know? It's just an idea. There's no organization there. Well, yes, there is. And they're being funded by somebody. Who, when they arrested the people in Georgia, only one of them was a Georgia resident. All the rest of them flew in from out of state. Who paid for that? Who pays for their training? Who pays for their legal? Why isn't this a RICO deal, right? And Tucker Carlson had, I thought the best interview I saw on this whole event in Memphis was that uh, Tucker Carlson had the former police commissioner, uh, the chief of police from Detroit, Michigan. This guy is a tough guy, old school. And when 2020 riots were happening, there were no riots in Detroit because this guy said, I ain't having that crap. And he talked about, and I talked about, uh, you know, with Nan and, and some other people. You watch this video, what happened in Memphis. It's the worst policing I've ever seen in my life. There's five police officers and one guy, and they can't. Get him on the ground, put his hands behind his back, and handcuff him. And put him in the back of the squad car and drive away. They're using tasers and, and mace. And, and, and this police chief said, look at what's going on. 
because of this attack on the police, they now have to play by these rules that aren't effective policing. He said, in, in an old school police, this thing never happens. And then Tucker had uh, on uh, another guest who said, look at this. This looks like a gang event. Five black men who are police officers between the ages of 24 and 32 beating to death a black man age 29. He said, this looks like gang activity, not policing. Right? And guess what? If it was a gang event, there'd be no news coverage. Oh, you five black guys killed? You know, another black guy? Psh, happens every day, 10 times a day in Chicago, you know, New York, Los Angeles. See what's going on here? This is a serious attack on our culture, and it's funded. It's a communist army in our midst. And when Donald Trump threatened to send in the National Guard, his deep state advisor said, oh, no, that's overreach. He has since said he won't make that mistake again. Well, we damn well better investigate, meaning the House, who is behind Antifa, and we need to find out why the FBI hasn't filed, used the RICO statute, because this is organized crime at the highest level, at least, if not insurrection and treason, okay? But I wanted you to get the fact that we're doing nothing. Their funding is not being touched. And it's because of guys like this, Adam Schiff announces Senate run. What a joke, Okay. Representative Adam Schiff announced Thursday that he will be launching a campaign for Senator Dianne Feinstein's California seat in Congress. I look forward to campaigning hard in this race, meeting Californians where they are, and listening to what they want from their next senator. I hope to own their votes and their trust. <laughs> you clown. You complete clown. Schiff was recently removed from the House Intelligence Committee by Speaker Kevin McCarthy in response to the former's conduct as a liar, as a leading investigator during the Trump impeachment hearings. According to McCarthy, Schiff openly lied to the American people while he was chairman of the Intelligence Committee and abused the powers of his office. But he wants to earn your trust in California, don't you know? Okay. Schiff announcements reiterates concerns that democracy in America is precarious and laid the blame at the feet of the Republican Party. Our democracy, said Schiff, is at great risk because GOP leaders care more about power than anything else. Schiff tweeted us alongside a campaign video. <laughs> yeah, nothing like accusing your opponents of doing what you're doing, you commie bastard. Okay. So you know what? I'll be mentioning to my congressman that we want to make sure that the House investigations, every House investigation, goes out of its way to expose Adam Schiff as the criminal and traitor that he is. So those can be the TV commercials that run when he tries to run for Senate. Okay, let's make let's make an example of that guy, Adam Schiff, right? Schiff for brains. This is another disturbing story. Feds adapting AI used to silence ISIS to combat American dissent on vaccines, right? 
There's no end to this nonsense. Intelligence once used to silence the Islamic State, ISIS, to quickly identify and censor American dissent on issues like vaccine safety and election integrity, according to grant documents and cyber experts. The National Science Foundation has awarded several million dollars in grants recently to universities and private firms to develop tools eerily similar to those developed in 2011 by the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, DARPA, in its social media and strategic communications program. DARPA said those tools were used to help identify misinformation or deception campaigns and counter them with truthful information, beginning with the Arab Spring uprisings in the Middle East that spawned the ISIS, uh, spawned ISIS over a decade ago, right? So the counterintelligence that our, our uh, spy agencies have used overseas to fight our enemies trying to overthrow you know, different governments we want to have relationships with, they are now turning on us. Mike Benz, executive director of the Foundation for Freedom Online, has compiled a report detailing how this technology is being developed to manipulate the speech of Americans via the National Science Foundation and other organizations. One of the most disturbing aspects of the Convergence Accelerator Track F domestic censorship project is how similar they are to military-grade social media network censorship and monitoring tools developed by the Pentagon for the counterinsurgency and counterterrorism context abroad, reads the report. The new version of this technology added is openly targeting two groups. Those wary of potential adverse effects from covid and those skeptical of recent U.S. elections. This effort that millions of your tax dollars are being spent on are out there to, to basically take away the influence of those worry of potential adverse effects from COVID-19 and those who are skeptical of recent U.S. elections. The terrifying thing is all of this plays out. It was redirected inward during 2016, Domestic populism was targeted and treated as foreign national security threat. Okay? So, again, this needs to end. That project needs to be defunded. That's where the Holman rule comes in. That's where the House, you know, needs to wait till September when they can do the budget and get rid of these things. Okay? These are attacks on you and my individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. And it's the government, not our government, doing it, okay? It's terrible. So to, to just put a comical spin on this, okay, um, of how incompetent these people are and what's happening, you know, the stupid, smart people who are being indoctrinated in colleges and now are moving into the government to tell us what to do. I'm sure some of you guys saw this video about Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, who's always got a funny take on things, but he is interviewing judges during confirmation hearings, and this was part of what he saw. To all of you, um, judge on the far end, uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does. Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment. Okay. How about Article 2? Neither is Article 2. Okay. Do you know what purposivism is? Um, in my 
12 years as an assistant attorney general huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question. Um, we are the highest trial court in Washington state, so I'm frequently faced with um, issues that I'm not familiar with, and I thoroughly review the law, our research, and apply the law to the facts presented to me. Well, you're going to be faced with it as a, if you're confirmed. I can assure you of that. Yeah. He, he goes on, and there's more to this video, and I'll link to it. There's like five people on this panel who can't answer the most basic questions about the law and constitution, which I think many of you watching this video probably answered. When he asks the question, what is Article 5 about? Most of you know, because we talk about an Article 5 convention of states to do what? To amend the constitution. Article 5 is about the process for amending the constitution, right? Article 2 is about executive powers. It says what the president can do, what the executive branch can do. These people are judges. They went to law school. They don't even know the basics of the Constitution. And yet you and I are going to go before these clowns, right? And they're going to judge us? Really? How fearful should you be of that? You talk about something that needs to be fixed, besides law enforcement, the military, or, you know, everything else. How about our judges and our law schools? What a joke. But it ain't funny, folks. It's a joke, but it's not funny. Um, let's see here. So this is also not funny. This is about the fact that DirecTV has not has knocked uh, Newsmax off their channel. And I'm angry because Nan and I are affected. Conservative network Newsmax has been dropped by DirecTV as of 11.50 p.m. on this Tuesday. DirecTV confirmed the decision saying the network is no longer broadcast on DirecTV. DirecTV stream or UVerse with a decision made due to Newsmax's demands for rate increases. The heads of Newsmax are firing back at the move saying it was censorship against the network. This is a blatant act of political discrimination and censorship against Newsmax, Christopher Rudy, CEO of Newsmax, said in a statement. The most extreme liberal challenge, even with tiny ratings, get fees from AT&T DirecTV, but Newsmax and One America News uh, needs to be deplatformed. This comes after Republican law members wrote a letter to CEO of DirecTV, as well as the CEOs of AT&T and private equity firm TGBG Capital, owners of the company, on January 20th, expressing concerns about the removal of Newsmax in light of its decision to remove One America News last year. Okay? They said in their letter, it's our understanding that DirecTV, still majority owned by AT&T and minority owned and managed by TPG Capital, is moving to deplatform Newsmax by denying it cable fees on a fair and equitable basis, the letter from Congress writes. The lawmakers allege that DirecTV carries 11 liberal news channels, including Vice Media, a company with which it shares several board members in which the members of Congress allege commands higher fees. Taken together, these two actions lead us to believe that DirecTV, one of the nature's largest multi-channel video program distributors, is actively working to limit conservative viewpoint on its system. This is extremely concerning for members of Congress because it suppresses political discourse and hamstrings our ability to connect with our constituents, the lawmakers said. Okay? And they're gone. 
And I was mad when One America News was gone. But I stayed with it because, unfortunately for me, the Cleveland Indians, who they now call the Guardians, is my baseball team that I enjoy watching during the summer to get away from all this political nonsense and just watch kids play. They were on DirecTV, and, and I couldn't get them through other cable providers. Well, fortunately, direct, the company that does the Indians games is going bankrupt this week, and so they might be available on some streaming things, but we got to get off of DirecTV. So that's an ask. If you have DirecTV, I'm asking you to look at Hulu or Fios or anybody else, a streaming service. Uh, I don't know if Dish Network is any better. You got to get off of DirecTV. You got to make them pay. This is just ridiculous. You know what? Because here's what the bottom line is. Newsmax has way better ratings. They're the fourth most watched news channel on cable. Now, they're way behind Fox and, and way behind MSNBC. They're not far behind CNN. They might be, you know, right next to CNN, who's falling like crazy. But here's the bottom line is they have the fourth most viewers. They get no fees. And these other channels, these lefty channels, all get fees. So when DirecTV is saying, well, if we pay you fees, we'd have to raise our prices. No, no, no. The answer would be you would be equitable and take the money you pay to news organizations and distribute it fairly. Yeah, we don't want no thing fairly. They want equal outcomes except for when it has to do with equality, right? So anyway, that's something you got to take action on once again. Boy, I've been asking you to do a lot of things. I hope you're keeping a list, right? Call your Secretary of States about Project Veritas and about you know, ESG, joining that. Thank you for that. Call your congressman, right, about the January 6th prisoners and about the Ukraine war and the, and the fact that we're, you know, we, we're sending weapons and not providing food, right? And then I just said, you know, get off of direct TV. Okay, so this is a story I want to help make some sense out of, okay? Because a lot of you have written to me, a lot of you are watching this. I did not give this a lot of airtime because I knew what was going to happen. <clears throat> Ronna McDaniel wins re-election uh, to an unprecedented fourth term chairing the Republican National Committee, okay? <clears throat> Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel won re-election on Friday, bringing to an end nearly two months of barbs and accusations that made a major fight for the future of GOP. McDaniels won the support of 111 committee members out of 168 who cast ballots in secret ballot vote for the chair to secure a fourth two-year term steering the RNC, which is unprecedented in modern times. The day took place on the final day of RNC's winter meetings. The chair defeated her main challenger, California committee member Harmeet Dillon, who won the support of 51 committee members, My Pillow CR Mike Lindell, uh, uh, who, you know, got four votes, okay? But what you then saw was a hissy fit, you know, of red state, Republican Party hates you. You know, what are you supposed to do now? You know, the Republican Party just ignores you. This is what you got to understand, folks. I, I mean, and I texted Charlie Kirk, who was going nuts, and he actually physically went there thinking they were going to influence these people, okay? You know, Harmie Dillon should be the chair because uh, Tucker Carlson's her friend, and he put her on TV to his 9 million viewers when she announced she's going to run. And then Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk and all these conservative websites beat her up unmercifully. What a scumbag she is. She's got her raises. She's making more money than ever. They gave $17 million of gifts to their donors. Okay, every 
ad hominem attack you could possibly do. And everybody's saying, Harmony Dillon, Harmony Dillon, who, by the way, full disclosure, we the People Convention and Tom and Ann Zawistowski donate money to Harmony Dillon for her legal practice in California, which is defending Christians against persecution during COVID. So I'm not anti-Harmy Dillon. Let me make ask you a question. What the hell qualifies her to be chairman of the Republican National Committee? How many elections has Harmy Dillon won? I think that would be zero. How many election campaigns has she run? Um, that would be zero, right? Harmy Dillon, who's a daggone good lawyer, but she was in Arizona when the left was stealing the election, working for the RNC, and her, she didn't file a lawsuit for Carrie Lake. She didn't help fight that. What qualifies her? Right? Now, you could argue what qualifies Mike Lindell, but at least Mike Lindell's a businessman. At least he's got organizational experience, right? But you know what? Who they should have been talking about? How about Zeldin, the guy who ran for governor in New York, who actually run a hell of a campaign? You think you might want him in the RNC chair because he knows how to run a campaign? How come from the minute she, Harmy Dillon, appeared on Tucker Carlson, the minute that happened till yesterday, I didn't hear one damn so-called conservative media person discuss what the qualifications should be to be the RNC frickin' chair. The gaslighting happens on both sides, folks, and it pisses me off when people on our side abuse you, misuse your time. I got news for you, and you guys who listen to this podcast all the time know I was just as angry last spring because Tucker Carlson and these same media people shoved J.D. Vance down our throat when we didn't choose him in Ohio, okay? But the difference is that of Tucker's 9 million viewers when he had J.D. Vance on every freaking week for months, okay? And he still wasn't going to win unless Donald Trump got paid off to endorse him. At least 500,000 of Tucker's 9, 9 million viewers are in Ohio and could vote. How many of those 168 people in that RNC committee you think watch Tucker Carlson? They don't know who the hell Tucker Carlson is, and they don't give a damn. The Republican Party is a country club. Harmy Dillon is the hired help. They hire her to be a lawyer. They're not going to make her chairman. And I told Harmy that. I got into the middle of a texting thing where a good friend of mine, a former congressman, and had Harmy in his office and was asking me about the Ohio delegates and could they be moved to vote for Harmy. I said, what, are you kidding me? And then I said, tell Harmy, don't run because you have no chance because this is a closed deal. And I saw Mike Lindell on Steve Bannon on Friday. He was actually at the meeting doing a, 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 an interview with Steve Bannon at about 11 a.m. The vote was going to happen a little later. And Mike Lindell was like, oh, I'm here. And there's people saying, I don't even know you're running. What are you doing here, Mike? He says, it's unbelievable. No, it's not. Those of you in Ohio will remember that in 2011, I ran 
for chairman of the Ohio Republican Party. Not because I wanted to run for chairman of the Ohio Republican Party, but because the Ohio Republican Party was lying about the fact that no one wanted a job. And so a corrupt guy who's now under trial, right now he's being tried by the FBI for money laundering, okay, a guy named Borges, he was going to run for chairman because nobody else wanted him. And I ran just to show what a joke that was. And you know what happened? Of the 66 members of the Republican Central Committee, none of them would talk to me. They were told, don't take his phone calls. Don't even talk to him. And I got to be, you know, to go and speak, and I got to run. I, I think I got like six votes in a secret ballot, okay? But the point is, it's a rigged deal. So for all these people who think trashing Harmy Dillon is going to help, they were lying to you. Now, not Harmy Dillon. They were trashing Ronna McDaniel, okay? But I got news for you. Ronna McDaniel is, is something we're going to have to work with. But the fact is, most of us aren't working with them at all anyway. You and I aren't donating to the RNC. We're doing it on our own. You're giving money to the We the People Convention so we can win elections. We don't trust them as far as we can throw them. They're grossly incompetent, but they're not there because they're competent is my message to you. They're there because of pay to play, because of bribes, because of the money they get, because of the positions they get in government. It's not a straight up deal. I say this all the time. There is no Republican or Democratic parties. Political parties don't act like this. They're mafias. They're money laundering operations. They sell votes for money. That's what they are. Until we stop playing that game and make them play our game, we're going to get exactly what we got. Corruption. Boy, this has been a real fun one. How about some good news, right? Well, I guess it's kind of good news. Let's talk about this and then we'll wrap up the show, okay? Frustrated by police inaction, the pro-life movement takes up the work of law enforcement. Last June, fire bombs ripped through the Compass Care Crisis Pregnancy Center in Buffalo, New York, causing extensive damage but no deaths. Amid the rubble and soot, the words, Jane was here, were written on the wall, suggesting that the militant abor anti abortion rights group, Jane's Revenge, was responsible. Almost immediately, authorities all the way up to the FBI assured the pro-life enterprise they would bring the perpetrators to justice. Eight months later, Compass Care officials say nothing has happened, nor have any arrests been made in any of the scores of similar attacks that have damaged other crisis pregnancy counseling offices and churches coast to coast since the word first leaked in late May that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade, returning abortion law to state legislatures. Compass Care CEO Jim Harden says this inaction has forced the pro-life movement to do the work of law enforcement on its own. His organization is teamed with the Thomas More Society a nonprofit libertarian law firm in Chicago to hire their own private investigators. The home of the firm's president, Thomas Breccia, was damaged by abortion supporters last July. Neither the Thomas More Society nor Compass Care elaborated on the private investigators hired to look at the attacks by abortion supporters, who they are, how many of their they were, and how they were deployed. But Breccia has no price limits have been put on these services. So they're now hiring pro-life people because the DOJ and the FBI 
will not enforce the law equally are forced to hire their own private investigators to try to bring these criminals to justice. Yay for them. But they shouldn't have to do that, should they? But that's what you got to do. If we're not going to get justice in one way, we got to find it another way. The development comes at a time when many, especially on the right, are warning of the politicization of justice. A few examples we'll point to are the SWAT team arrest of Trump advisor Roger Strone, the armed search of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, pursuit of classified documents, and Attorney Merrick Garland's ordering the FBI to track possible threats of violence or intimidation after parents began confronting school boards about what their children were being taught in public schools. So... Republican Texas Senator Ted Cruz told Real Clear Investigations, I'm not surprised pro-life groups have had to conduct their own investigations after being attacked by radical abortion activists. Sadly, they've been left with no other option because of the blatant politicization of the Biden FBI and the Justice Department. Well, first of all, Senator Cruz, what the hell are you going to do about it? Okay, none of this don't work anymore. What are you going to do about it? Right. Second of all, this all happened during the Trump years. And during the, the, the Obama years and all the way back, right? The politicization of the, the, the DOJ and the FBI happened a long time ago. Question is, what are we going to do about it? Okay. All right. A couple more stories. This is a really good one. And I sent this to you guys and please share it. Iowa passes strongest school choice bill in the nation. Iowa Governor. Uh, Kim Reynolds was in an ebullient mood on Tuesday when she signed into law the most sweeping and revolutionary school choice program in the nation. What an amazing day for our children, she exclaimed to the crowd of uh, kids, parents, and lawmakers who had gathered in the Iowa Capitol Rotunda to witness the historic signing. Indeed, the new law, which will take effect this year, is a game changer for parents. The law will allow any Iowa family to use taxpayer funds to pay for private school tuition at a cost of $345 million annually to the state's once fully phased in. This is Reynolds' third attempt at pushing school choice legislation through the Iowa legislature. But in 2022 election, Iowa Republicans increased their majority, giving Reynolds the breathing room she needed. Public schools are the foundation of our educational system, and for most families, they'll continue to be the option of choice. But they aren't the only choice, and for some families, a different path may be better for their children, he said. She said. The law, according to the Moines Register, was fa- will phase in over three years and eventually allow all Iowa families to use up to $7,590 a year in an education savings account for private school tuition. If any money is left over after tuition fees, families can use the funds for specific educational expenses, including textbooks, tutoring, stuff like that. For the first year of the program, 23-24, the funds will be available to all incoming kindergarten students and all public school students. It will also be offered to current private school families who make uh, at or below 300% of the federal poverty level. When the uh, law is fully phased in in 25-26 school year, all Iowa students will be eligible. So many of you, I said, share this and and push this to your your legislators, okay, and try to get this in your state. And people wrote to me and said, well, we want to do that. So here's the information. I asked who is best able to help you create legislation that will get school choice in your state. I was given these three organizations' names, American Federation for Children, American Federation for Children, Excel in Ed, Excel in Ed, E-D, and then Ed Choice. I was told those three groups are the leading groups to help form legislation that will stand up to any lawsuits 
to give school choice. I encourage you, again, another ask. This show has been for a lot of asks. Take this pod, this, uh, this, uh, story on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org and send it to your legislators. And, and, and in the video I showed you in the break, you can use the share buttons to send a text message of the URL, to send an email, even those who download our phone app. You know, and I encourage all of you to download, go to the Google Play Store, the Apple Store and download WTPC Convention app, WTPC Convention app and the share buttons right on there and send this to everyone and push for this in your state because this is the beginning of the end of the radical indoctrination of our children, okay? Huge deal. Exciting as all get out. So fired up that this happened, okay? So fired up. Okay, a couple more things and we'll wrap it up. Let's see here. Um, All right, so now I've talked to you guys about the fact that this year we need to do things different. And it's it's a year where there's not a presidential election. There's no federal offices. Most state offices aren't in this year's election in your state. It's usually school board, township trustee, mayor, city council, local races. I want to encourage all of you guys to uh, go look at a group that I'm affiliated with called Citizens for Free Speech. Citizens for Free Speech. And they have this training that you should be interested in because it's written for the novice and it's called Citizens Ninja. And, and, and basically, you know, get, you can get the grassroots training you need to engage in civil, you know, and, and in, is working in elections in your community. Our free Citizens Ninja training will give you an empowered mindset and practical tips for collaborating with other grassroots activists to achieve the goals you need to achieve in your community. Uh, uh, the, the Citizens for Free Speech members from across the nation are going to be doing an 11-week spring training session beginning on February 15th uh, That's uh, this year, and you should join up. You should sign up. It's free. Uh, in this training, the basics is discussed for conservative Americans who recognize they have a duty to engage in the civic process but are unsure how to go about it or are fearful of bullying tactics used against them by your elected officials, right? That's one of the things you've seen in these school board meetings. You know, they want to shut off your mic. They want to you know, shut you down. This Citizens Ninja training will help you know how to deal with this, okay? Um, what you'll learn, you'll learn the basics uh, you know, for conservative Americans who recognize they have a duty to engage in the civic process, you will learn the four citizen ninja powers, how to stage your discourse, in other words, how do you present your case, basic tactics and countermeasures, how to you know, deal with it if they push back on you, and how to take action. Citizen Ninjas in Action, Team Building Essentials, builds upon the foundational concepts presented in Citizen Ninja Basics and will teach local activists how to successfully develop, grow, and activate a team. Learn how to build and align a team in your community, how to, how to evaluate and assign team function and roles, and how to deploy your team once you say we want to elect people to the school board or we want to get the school board to do this or we want to get the township trustees to do that. We've got to do that, okay? So if you can go you know, to register, you can do this three different ways. You can go to citizensforfreespeech.org backslash take underscore action. citizensforfreespeech.org backslash take action and complete the form. You can text SPRING TRAINING, all caps, all one word, SPRING TRAINING, to 
1364 and the registration link will be sent to you via text or you can go to citizens for free sports speech dot org and click on the calendar page and click on the citizen ninja way training post you'll see on the graphic on your screen i've got some of this information i will post this graphic at we the people convention.org on the podcast page okay and this citizen ninja training you can take it anytime and it's free and it's really good they got this book that's really fun, you know, that's written on, you know, Citizen Ninja is like, you know, how do you deflect the blows, right, and deliver knockouts and stuff. It's a neat, neat um, metaphor. And so if we're going to have effect in 2023 and 2024, if we're going to change the balance of power, we need to have training. And the We the People Convention doesn't need to replicate training that's already out there because Citizens for Free Speech already has it. So go to citizensforfreespeech.org, underscore or backslash, take action, take underscore action, and sign up for this training. You won't regret it. It'll change the way you look at things, and it'll empower you by helping you put together other people in your community that will help you affect change. And I just highly recommend them, okay? Let's see if we can get some of you guys to go and get trained as citizen ninjas. All right, a couple more things, and then we'll wrap it up. You know, uh, we, you know, we always tell you guys, this is your podcast. You know, send me comments at info at we the people convention.org. If you got questions, if you got, you know, stories I've missed, if you have corrections, this is your podcast. I just deliver it. Our goal is to give you the truth and give you things to act on. Okay. But, you know, it's all about protecting and defending our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. So I want to close with this one video. It's pretty short, but it, it, I came across it this week. And it's a discussion uh, with, with Jordan Peterson. He's talking to a guy named Was, Walter Russell Mead, who is a professor and a, uh, an author, and he studies foreign affairs uh, you know, and, and basically uh, American political philosophy. He teaches that at Yale University. And this is a long interview and I didn't post it at wethepeopleconvention.org, but his closing statement I thought was important for you to hear. So just take a minute to get some, maybe some good news before we close the podcast. Here we go. I guess I would like to close by giving a bit of a reason for optimism for folks because, you know, the world situation is grim and there's, there is real danger of war. But this Anglo-American 300-year-old system of a kind of a commercial capitalist global liberal framework. It, it, it doesn't just stay there by accident. There are solid reasons why the world order that we've known, you know, we, it's possible that it can continue lasting. Who knows how long, but there are forces that prop it up. One of them, and we've talked about this some, is that a diversified society with capitalist principles actually is incredibly creative and vital and keeps coming up with new technologies, new economic productivity, new ideas, new institutions that enable it to continually adjust to changing conditions. And that gives it tremendous advantages over people who try to follow other systems or other approaches. The other advantage is geopolitical. See, America is a sea power. You know, we are, we're not trying, we don't, we don't have any interest in conquering France, much as 
much as there's some really nice places in France. We, we're, you know, we don't, you know, we occupied Japan after World War II, but we got out. We did not want to stay. And, you know, so that, but on the, on the contrary, land powers like the Soviet Union keeps, ex, they keep expanding and they want to dominate their neighbors in a way that a sea power just isn't going to do. So when a country like Russia or Iran or China begins to threaten its neighbors, they all want to be allies of ours. So as China has become more threatening, we can see how Japan is suddenly, they're doubling their defense budget. They are deepening their relations with Australia, with India. You know, they're really working very hard to build the alliance. The Indians are waking up and getting very geopolitically active. So this, the, the Abraham Accords pop up in the Middle East. The Poles and the Baltics are committed. You know, the Swedes and the Finns want to join NATO. So when this system is threatened by ambitious big powers, the other powers organize into alliances. And this is not new. This is how Britain defeated Louis XIV in the 16th and early 17th century. It's how the British were able to defeat Napoleon. It's what brought down Kaiser Wilhelm in World War I. It's what brought down Hitler and Tojo in World War II, and it's what defeated the Soviet Union. So there are things on our side, and we need the courage and the vision, and maybe even a little bit of the knowledge of history that can help us understand and assess these incredibly threatening and dramatic trends in world history that we're living through. So, history proves that it's not just the people, but it's the system that will defeat the attacks upon it, okay? And I had a friend at lunch the other day tell me that it looks like the left is starting to eat its own, and they are. And that this this evil, when people start to starve, people get angry, they start to take action. This will not stand. The folks at Davos were crying like babies about how they're not winning the information war and how this misinformation about them is winning out. Podcasts like this are how we fight back. You're sharing this information. You're going back. And, and on the podcast page, we link the times for every story so you can go watch the ones you care most about. You don't have to watch the whole thing. You can share the links, inform others, and you're taking action. You're calling your congressman. You're calling your secretary of states, right? You're pushing for education choice in your state. You're fighting the fight. That's what it's all about. You're getting citizens ninja training. We are part of the system. What he's talking about is free enterprise, capitalism, individual freedom and liberty is the system he talked about that has defeated all these tyrants throughout history. And he believes that will happen again, but only if we make it, right? So I sure appreciate you choosing to spend your time to visit with me and listen to the We The People Convention News and Opinion podcast. Can't thank you enough. God willing, we'll be back next week and so will you. In the meantime, God bless you and God bless America. 
Let's go.